Here in Orlando, Florida, Old Town Compost is leading the composting revolution, recycling organic waste into a nutrient-rich resource. Join Charlie Pioli, founder of Old Town Compost, as we hear from the nation's leading voices behind the grassroots community composting movement. Welcome to the Community Composting Podcast. Please rate and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to. If you feel like this is good content and you're learning a lot about composting. Hi, welcome to episode number six. We have Monique Figueredo with Compostable LA based in Los Angeles, California. Monique founded Compostable in 2019 when she saw a need for additional community composting resources in her community. And her vision for a community-led organization is woven through the fiber of Compostable's foundation. Um, You've spent about eight years in the nonprofit industry in human services, and uh, you become an advocate for mental health funding. And really, you've actually completed your uh, sustainability certificate at UCLA among, you know, starting, help starting uh, the LA chapter of California Alliance of Community Composters. Mm-hmm. How, how was that uh, sustainability certificate program? Because I you know I've looked into these things myself. There's not too many studies or degrees you can get in sustainability in the country from what I've gathered. Yeah, it was 100% worth it. I would tell anybody that if they can find something like that and they're interested in this field, that they should because it really just gives you the lingo and and the the words to to put these concepts that are probably already existed in your mind and your heart um, and to navigate this space. So it gives you a lot of confidence um, and also you meet really cool people and it helps you form your ideas. So I loved it. Um, like you said, when I was in Boston, I was primarily in mental health and I didn't really start my sustainability journey until I moved to Los Angeles. And, and that really just gave me a leg up and in getting into this world. And yeah, tell me about your, you were, you grew up born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. Did you come across any community composters while you were there. Like when I was a college student, I was a subscriber for Bootstrap Compost Mm -hmm. in the city, but um, I know there's a couple others. Did you come across any composters while you were living there? Yeah, Bootstrap Compost um, was the inspiration for this company, actually. And they're probably the inspiration for many across the the nation because- Myself included. (laughs) Yes, yes, shout out to Bootstrap then. yeah, so in in Boston, it's kind of a unique situation, or, or maybe not so. It's just very different than Los Angeles. There's a lot of um, duplexes and triplexes that are apartments, and you usually have a shared backyard. And so there's some access to green space pretty close by. So if you want to compost in your yard, that's totally feasible. But if you didn't, there's services like Bootstrap that exist. And when I moved out to LA, there was just no green space. I mean, these are much bigger apartment complexes. And then there was also no bootstrap like service really. Um, And so. You mean like a pickup service? Exactly. There was one pickup service, but it was quite unreliable. It was kind of expensive. I mean, I would, 
I would get texts like at 2 a.m. saying they're coming the next day and, and wonderful person, but the service just wasn't working for my lifestyle. And so um, I really wanted to create something that was a lot more, you know, organized, formal, kind of like a bootstrap kind of thing. And, and that's where Compostable I came from. Awesome. And yeah, I think that's a message to our listeners who may be interested in starting their own community composting company. You definitely need to uh, be on top of your your game and, you know, a reminder text the evening before not at 2am is always good to help uh, get more set outs the next day. But yeah, so I yeah, noticed absolutely. that your your services woman owned and operated. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know how that happened, but I guess I'm not surprised because I a little bit am like someone who always jokes about the patriarchy. Um, and maybe it's not so much a joke to me because it kind of seeped its way into my company a lot. <laughs> it's it's an entire woman team. Um, most of the team is a person of color. We really are embracing environmental injustices and how to resolve those within our company as well. Um, and so getting as many diverse voices within the company is really important to me, um, but apparently not male voices. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Maybe eventually I'll have a male voice, but um, right now it's mostly women. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of the composting organization, LA Compost, yeah. um, they were featured in Kiss the Ground and, you know, they're pretty popular. Um, but I was wondering, how does compostable differ from them? And mm -hmm. do you guys ever work together and, um, you know, partner to divert as much food scraps as possible? Yeah, actually, LA Compost is our deepest partner. It, it, we have a really deep, Could intricate you describe connection. describe what they do a little bit? Yeah, so LA Compost is actually a drop-off. Um, I don't want to say service. Uh, they facilitate drop-off sites throughout the city. And so, uh, and they're all free, which is just wonderful because, you know, so much of sustainability is is geared towards the wealthy that can afford that, that refill station or whatever. And, and I understand why, you know, economy of scale and such, but it's great to have free options too. So LA Compost has um, free drop-off sites throughout the city where you can come and just dump your food scraps and then they're gonna manage the piles and they give soil back to the community. Um, and where I differ is that Compostable LA is a food scrap pickup service. For, so for anybody who doesn't want to make the trek to a drop-off site, they can hire us and we'll come either every week or every other week, pick up your food scraps, and we're going to bring it to LA Compost, um, one of their bigger hubs. And so LA Compost is actually who does all of our food scrap processing. Um, we don't do that in-house because we really, really believed in um, strengthening the infrastructure that already existed. So I rather pay LA Compost to do what they're good at. Um, and so that's what we do. We pay like a small tipping fee to LA Yeah, we pay, we pay a fee and actually that fee um, and goes to the creation of more drop-off sites um, because there's just not enough and they're at capacity. And, and like and I said- what are really these drop-off sites? Are they community gardens or? 
They vary. Some are at schools, some are at community gardens, um, some are on urban farms. Um, so they really, you know, they really vary. Some are co-op, which means you have to help manage the site if you're going to drop off there. Um, others are just, they're going to be managed by LA Compost and it's open to anybody in the community. That's so awesome. they vary. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like you have an awesome decentralized network of composting sites. So you're not yep. hauling uh, food scraps through the famous, infamous LA traffic and, yeah. you know, across <laughs> the county. Um, is your service area very large at this point? I know you started a little over a year ago. Is that right? Yeah, we started in June 2019. Um, so we're almost on two years, not quite yet. Um, and we started on the west side of Los Angeles, but we've since expanded to the valley and the east side. And I have my heart of hearts set on Mid-City because there's really not that many resources there. And I just want to, you know, I get people reaching out all the time. I want to compost. I'm like, I feel you. I'm coming. <laughs> um, but we're not there yet. So yeah, it's actually quite a large swath that we're serving right now. LA is quite large and, and the composting movement's growing. So people want access to this, which is amazing. Have do you have a threshold for a certain number of requests until you do get out to that geographic area? No. Um, why? Because it, it's not the threshold that's stopping us. It's, it's the scale with which we can grow sustainably that is stopping us from growing. So we, if we wanted to boom up and serve that area, I'm sure there'd be plenty of people uh, ready for that service, but I want to make sure that I'm making sustainable choices in my supply chain and all that stuff. Plus, I don't really know what I'm doing. I mean, <laughs> so like I'm learning all of this as I go. I'm learning how to buy a van and get insurance and what's the software and all. And so there's a learning curve that's also slowing the growth down inevitably. Um, sure. So it, it's not it's not demand that's that's causing the delay and expansion. It's it's me <laughs> which is it's okay I don't feel awful about it but it, it is what it is <laughs> well yeah I want to give you like big kudos for just bootstrapping it I mean I would say that bootstrap is probably the most aptly named uh, community composter out there because we're all bootstrapping it yeah. and just yeah. learning as we go but um yeah. yeah I don't know too many community composters that are like have this startup money and like lots of infusion yeah. of cash. And most of us are picking up in our car until we can afford a van and then yeah, picking up in just a white van until we can afford to brand it. And, you know, just little steps. I've seen you on the community composter forum, you know, asking what's better, a Nissan or a Dodge Ram? Yeah. Uh, yeah. For a van? And I'm honestly going through the same predicament um, with my company a little over a year old and you know, one of our routes, we have close to 60 stops on the route and, you know, our truck is bursting at the seams. We can't mm -hmm. get any more buckets in there. So same thing you're going through. And yeah, I'd be yeah. happy to talk more about this after the, the interview, yeah. if you would like. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, that's awesome. LA is a, a giant service area and I think has a, a, a ton of potential to get more customers on the residential side. 
those people who nece- not necessarily want to like get their hands dirty managing piles and going out of their way to drop off food scraps. And then on the commercial side, um, do you, I noticed on your website, you don't have a commercial um, page or anything. Do you mm-hmm. target that area? We haven't started with commercial yet. And there's, there's lots of reasons why. Um, one, because residential is easier. Um, all you really need is your, your car and a small bucket. You don't really need a van because you're not picking up a hundred pounds of food waste in one go. And then you have seven more stops of that. And so one reason that we started with residential is just because it was easier to start with residential. Another reason is actually because there's a lot of hauling laws in LA that are quite difficult to navigate and that are not entirely inclusive of community composting. And so we needed to make sure we understood where we fit in those laws before we went after bigger commercial clients like that. So we're gearing up now to start accepting them. And we hope to partner with some waste haulers in the area. You know, once they get this big where you, you should really go to like a, an Athens or something. But if you're under this amount, it's more it makes more sense for us to take it. And so kind of this more collaborative model. Um, but that takes a lot of time to kind of work out the kinks. Yeah, and- you're in a very interesting environment with the state bill 1383, um, you know, kind of mandating a 50% reduction in organic waste uh, by what is it? 2025? Well, it's going to be 75%. Um, It's 50% is that little step up and then 75 is going to be the, but yeah, I want to talk about that later Um, on your on your residential service, it looks like you have a one-time setup cost and Mm -hmm. part of that setup cost is providing your subscriber with a startup kit. Mm -hmm. Could you describe that? Yeah, so um, the setup fee helps um, cover the cost because the startup kit, something that usually goes missing once the bucket gets stolen or the sawdust bag gets lost. And so it also helps our time of getting them in our software and everything like that. Um, in the in the provide a, a bag of sawdust, um, kind of to keep the bucket drier and stuff. Is that yeah? Right? I'll go over the the kit now. So the kit is one four gallon bucket that was previously used by a bakery for egg whites, so it's on its second life. One welcome card that gives you a list of do's and don'ts and answers kind of initial questions. And then one bag of sawdust. And so the bag itself is made from upcycled fabric that was gonna go to a landfill. And then the sawdust itself was actually being thrown away by a um, a lumber yard. And so the sawdust we include for free for the first month and then members can choose to keep going if they want. Um, And it helps mitigate odor. It helps mitigate pests because it, it really balances out that bin. Usually what residents are putting in is mostly green-based material, you know, your food scraps. And what that can lead to is moist, smelly, wet conditions. Um, And so if you are concerned about odors, sawdust can really help in the bin. Do you guys accept meat and dairy as well? Yes, we just started accepting meat and dairy in January. That's awesome that, you know, your processor, LA Compost, can handle that. That uh, definitely opens the doors to getting a lot more people participating. For sure. Yeah. But so it sounds like you guys don't have a compostable liner, like say your bootstrap compost. And um, that's awesome that you're 
your buckets are repurposed you know we're mm -hmm. repurposing um three and a half gallon frosting buckets from the local <laughs> grocery store but th those are only for our compost give back buckets mm. um, are, we are currently purchasing, you know, bulk orders of five gallon buckets from, you know, Home Depot. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think there is like, a, you know, there's two, two sides of the issue. Some believe like if you have uh, compostable liners that they're single use and, you know, they kind of discourage um, you know, they're not the most environmentally right way to go, correct way to mm -hmm. go. And then I think I fall more on the side with, um, you know, these single use compostable liners, they disappear after a week in the compost. So they're, they're not really sticking around and they really speed up the time we're washing the bins because they mm -hmm. don't uh let the yuck cake inside the buckets sure and at the same time you know they i think it mentally for the subscriber the subscriber feels like you know this is you know something i'm uh more comfortable with and i think we get a lot more participants um just because you know that the subscriber doesn't have to like worry about any yuck or odors mm -hmm. or anything like that but yeah i just wanted to you know have you ever considered the compostable liner for your five gallon or your four gallon buckets yeah we have because they do make cleaning a lot easier um but actually la compost doesn't accept any form of bioplastics in their piles um so that decision was made for us and that is fine because um you know, while it might take longer to wash buckets, none of the water is being wasted. We capture all our wastewater to use on the compost piles themselves. So none of it's being flushed down a drain or anything mm -hmm. um, because it does take more water to wash a bin that's not lined. Um, but at least that, that water is ending up on the compost pile that needed to be watered anyway. So I agree. I think lining the bucket is, is much easier for the cleaning process, um, but yeah, it has a single use problem. Um, and right now our, our person that processes our compost doesn't want them. And so we respect that totally. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of, kind of settles the issue right there. <laughs> yeah. There doesn't take it. Um, and then, you know, we're paying like 14 cents per compostable bag that does mm -hmm. add up. Um, so yeah, that, that's, yeah. Interesting side of the things. So that answers my previous question. You don't accept bioplastics, no compostable plastics. Correct. None of that. Do you we also don't accept any um, fiber molded products. So anything that um, you get from like a Chipotle or a sweet greens because of potential PFAs um, on them. And so, and then the... Is that like... <laughs> from the, if they're like poly coated with anything? Yeah, like you know, a lot of those fiber molded products have been found to have PFAS in them um, to make them grease and water resistant. Um, and yeah. given that those don't have a half-life, they kind of have to be remediated out of our water and food supply. So in order to kind of protect public health, we don't accept those until 
all of them have been rated as clean because some of them have been rated as clean now, but we can't tell once you get into the bucket, what's the clean, you know, we're not going to go through and examine your disgusting, (laughs) slimy, you know, so we don't accept those. Those are our two major products. We don't accept. Um, And then stuff, normal stuff like produce stickers, rubber bands, that kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to keep up with how many different products there are out there that, you know, may have, PFAS or may not we're the same way we don't accept any waxy or poly coated paper Mm -hmm. products um kind of for the same reason yeah if you enjoy the community composting podcast and want to support future episodes please follow the link in the episode show notes to give a small monthly reoccurring donation even if it's five to ten dollars a month We'll continue to come out with killer content to keep the grassroots movement rolling. So, yeah, I mean, um, I want to get to the like kind of the overarching question. You're operating in California, which, you know, a little a few years ago um, wrote this bill into code basically yeah. just aggra- it's probably the most aggressive bill in the whole country trying to reduce organic waste uh for many reasons you know because um the landfills are filling up because it's um uh, you know it's a the bread basket of america where a lot of crops are raised and you know compost is very important in california um, but, you know, I want to f- see how you guys, um, y- you imagine Compostable LA fitting into the LA organics recycling scene, you know, say five, 10 years in the future. Yeah. So let me, yeah, I'm going to take you guys on a mini journey. It won't be too long of this because this is really a world I live in. So Compostable LA does a couple of things. Um One thing we do is education, which is why I do podcasts like this. Um, Another thing we do is the pickup service. And then the third thing we do is policy advocacy work. And the reason we do that is because of the state we live in and because of the community compost movement and how new it is um, and how it's really not that recognized nationwide. I think it's fairly well recognized actually on the East Coast. It has a a good reputation and, and a lot of people know about it. But in California, I would say the community compost movement is relatively new. And for your listeners, um, do your, are your listeners familiar about community composting in general and, and why that's different from like large scale composting? No, I mean, you, uh, you would be welcome to like describe okay. that difference. Yeah. Yeah. So community composters really focus on um, using compost as a medium to support the community. So all resources that you're collecting, like food waste, stay within your local community create soil that then goes to your local community versus large scale haulers that focus a little bit more on diversion and are going to, you know, diversion is important, but what they're probably going to do is truck that, you know, a a long ways away, create biomethane with it, which goes to their trucks, doesn't actually go to making soil. And so, you know, and then there's an environmental justice concern about where are these anaerobic digesters that the large scale haulers are using being built Um, Are there biomethane leaks? Um, I'm not all against large scale haulers, but I do find that there is a huge, huge, huge place needed for community composters, which is what 
you are, what I am, what bootstrap is that we've been talking about, LA Compost. So um, I do a lot of policy advocacy work for community composters and being recognized in California. Um, and part of that is saying, hey, large scale waste haulers, we're important and you should wanna work with us because most of the laws right now are geared towards protecting large scale haulers. It's a little bit like a monopoly um, and right. not- I just wanna to interject um, yeah. saying, there's this fabulous article by Neil Seldman of um, ISLR, you know, Institute yep. of Local Self-Reliance. And after reading his article on big waste and how yes. um, these haulers have turned into monopolies and how, uh, you know, community composters are the little guys, the micro haulers. Correct. Uh, he basically gives the timeline of, the waste business in the United States uh, dating pre-World War II when things were kind of deregulated and, you know, decentralized to post-World War II where um, there was a period where they were still deregulated, but more and more materials were just being landfilled or put in dumps. Yeah. And uh, that's what kind of spurred a ton of pollution and the Clean Air Act came out in what, 1970. And uh, since then, you know, we have decided that landfills are the best way to manage our waste and incinerators have gained some steam, but really mm -hmm. been mm -hmm. uh, stomped out because no one really wants one of those in their community. But Right. Regardless, these big waste haulers, your waste management, Republic, you know, Correct. whoever yeah. else, um, you, they're, they do things a little bit differently than community composters. And sorry to cut you off, but that, nope. that's where you were headed. Yeah, that's where I'm going with. Yes, exactly. And unfortunately, with SB 1383, the bill that was just passed mandating organics rate collection is beautiful, but what they're suggesting to get to make that achievable are these things called franchise agreements. Mm. Franchise agreements basically means your city is broken up into to regions and each region is assigned its one particular waste hauler. And so that waste hauler has exclusive rights to that area, meaning we can operate legally. And so I really need to come in, you know, and not just me at all. That's why there's a, the California Alliance of Community Composters. I'm just talking about my story. Uh, that's where we come in and saying, hey, no, there's, there's, you know, we're trying to rebuild soils with each neighborhood. There's lots more, you know, to consider than just diversion statistics from landfills alone. What about the other picture of rebuilding soils and rebuilding communities? When you take that into account, the scales tip away from big haulers and into the community composting realm. Yeah. So I see compostable as being, you know, in this landscape, a force of, um, of policy advocacy and really pushing for ISLR's hierarchy of, of, um, of community building through composting, which is, you know, building multiple tiers for the different types of waste haulers to operate. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, yeah, the, those franchise agreements, you know, I, I don't think that would be a good thing for organics collection, especially when you have 
small community composters who, you know, community composters, you're, you're micro hauling, you're doing it with a bicycle or at, at the most like a cargo van. Yeah. Not, you know, you're not driving these diesel belching, you know, they get like two miles to the gallon, um, you know, the trash trucks. Yeah, yeah. So franchise hauling, I don't think would work very well in a city like LA for organics. But right now, I just want to mention that in New York City, they've been debating franchise agreement yeah. districts for like five years now. And in a, in a city like New York, where um, commercial refuse collection is like the wild west, you know, each business or restaurant can sign up for whatever hauler they want. You know, they're going to go with the lowest priced hauler. So, you know, you could have a block with 10 businesses on it with feasibly 10 different haulers picking up from that one block, which is very inefficient. And you've got trash trucks, you know, flying around the city streets all day, all night. I mean, the conditions are horrible for these these drivers because absolutely you know, they're kind of on a, a tight schedule, and I don't think they're paid very well. And there's a lot of accidents with deaths, so it really depends um, if a franchise agreement, you know, is for trash. Then I I think it is. I I would argue that it is preferred, but for organics, yeah. yeah. I agree. So actually Los Angeles does have a franchise agreement already and it was established for that same exact reason. Um, Mm. Waste hauler, it was the wild, wild west and waste haulers were competing so viciously to have the lowest rates that their, their employees were suffering. So it was really done to lower pollution and to protect workers pay. And that's beautiful reasons. All, and we're not fighting against that. All we're saying is give, give a, you know, a permit or an exemption to small haulers who are taking less than X amount of tons of material so that people who want to build soils in their community have the option to do so. Yeah. Um, because I agree, it's, it was, it, it's horribly inefficient the way it was before. And would that just be like, that wouldn't, the franchise agreement wouldn't, touch the residential side of organics hauling would it no so the residential side is kind of it's managed by the it, so that's the commercial side and the residential side which is four units or less is managed by union uh, it's managed by the city and the city is very very nervous to give anybody else a permit because they don't want to upset the unions um, so, so that makes a lot of sense. So it's, it, it, this is why it's so difficult to navigate and why slow growth in LA is actually really important because you've got to make sure you're walking the line very carefully, um, because you could have a lot of people upset with you very quickly. <laughs> That's interesting. So for the residential curbside collection, the city has like franchise agreement, like they have a one hauler for a specific area is that right it's managed by the city the city is the hauler oh okay so that's the same as in orlando here right right and that's curious uh is the union with like the city employees have a union or i have to look into that i actually don't know the the finer details of that um i'm curious now yeah yeah um 
I know this probably sounds really boring to our listeners, but these are the type of details you have to know if you're going to sit at the table with, you know, the, the city and like the, the decision makers yeah. really get your business in the discussion and, and divert a significant amount of food scraps. So I'm yeah, glad it will become a big part of the world. Buckets and policy is all you're going to talk about eventually if you're starting a composting business. <laughs> I know like every bucket on the market. It was. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not good dinner party conversation. Yeah. No, people are really over me <laughs> talking about big, big waste. <laughs> and uh, do you, does Compostable LA do events? Yes. Oh, weddings are my favorite. So I actually am not a big wedding person myself. I find them incredibly wasteful uh, and they usually lead to fights. I'm like, I don't understand them, but that's why I love composting them because it like, it's like soothing or healing to me for my relationship with weddings where I find them so wasteful. I love composting them and seeing that all that food scrap is going to like end up in the soil instead of in the trash. So uh composting events has been this kind of therapeutic uh, outlet for me. Of course, that's not happening right now, really. Um, but whenever it does happen again, it'll be really exciting. Yeah, the average American wedding wastes 400 pounds uh, over the course of the event. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, the majority of that definitely over 50% is the food, the food waste of the catering yeah. company. So what and if people are, are starting out composting, like I'm not sure what type of listener you have, but composting events is very easy. It's a great thing to start. You, you know, it doesn't actually take that much coordination or big equipment or something like that. And so finding out those, those, um, those things you can do that right off the bat that don't require too many tools or resources is great. And I feel like events is one of those. And what do you typically, like, how do you service a wedding? Are you kind of just back of house hanging out? Yeah. Or? I actually don't say the whole event. Um, I will if they want me to stay and they'll have to pay for my time. But usually I just educate the catering staff on how to sort. At the beginning of the wedding, we have a meeting with the catering staff and I have a conversation with them about what does and doesn't go in the bin. And then I'll come like an hour before the wedding shuts down because that's when the heavy composting begins mm -hmm. and I can really help out. But I find most of the time I'm actually in their way. So it's better that I'm not there mm -hmm. because they are just catering staff are just this well-oiled machine and one person hanging out in the kitchen trying to help sort is actually not helpful. Um, so if you just educate them and make the bins really useful and easy accessible to them, it, it usually goes pretty well. Yeah, I've uh, found myself you know, I've definitely found the same thing, but a, of the couple weddings I've done, they've been like way out there and I haven't like had yeah. anywhere to like go hang out otherwise. Yeah. So, you, you know, bring, the wedding. yeah, bring a good book or something and make sure you're billing for that time. Right. Right. Otherwise, um, yeah. Another way to do that is to charge a fee if they're outside a certain radius. Um, because you know you're going to have to be there that whole time. And so if, if you don't feel comfortable charging hours of your time, you can charge a, a fee and wrap your hours in that way. For yeah. yeah, I would say the majority of our audience are 
local, you know, com community composters or aspiring awesome. community composters. Um, yeah, so, I mean, this information you're talking about is super helpful for everyone. Yay, that's what I hope. Did um, any chance you saw the community composting grant posted by Cal Recycle, I think? Yeah, I'm actually helping write one of the modules for the training program. So every new, every person that has won the grant and is going to get a site set up, supported through that grant, will have to go through a training. And one of the trainings is going to be all about resource recovery, which is kind of what they're calling hauling. And I'm going to teach the policy portion of that for the, the, the California people. And so I'm going to really teach them all about franchise agreements, SB 1383, how do you navigate these things? So um, yeah, I'm closely, I'm closely involved in that and wow. super excited. How did you um, get in that position to kind of facilitate that? Yeah, the um, uh, LA Compost is actually kind of one of the lead facilitators of that grant. And they were putting a call out to an advisory board. And I, I joined the advisory board and then they asked me, just given my experience with the, the policy battle in Los Angeles, if I'd be willing to kind of train new people on that. And so I said, of course, yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff to digest here and I'd be happy to share my knowledge with people. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's again, what I'm talking about, like having a, a seat in, you know, community composting is relatively new for a lot of governments. Mm -hmm. So you have, you know, they have to talk with us to really know what kind of policies to put in place. Um, and yeah, and, and what, why I see the benefit of this is because the more people I can educate on like why I find value in this, and if they share that value, wonderful, then the more advocates we have. And so um, I'm just trying to educate everybody on like, these are the things, like you, you might not agree, this is how I feel. And if you do agree, we need as many advocates as possible, you know, requesting that community composting is recognized in a greater, larger scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you seem very um, focused on education, which is really awesome. How do you educate your residential subscribers on, yeah. Yeah, that's a great question um, because there's always contamination and there's always questions. And so we do, I have office hours so people can always pop on and talk to me every week, I'm there. Um, I, we do newsletters, we do postings in Instagram, we have events. And so education is really, you know, I just want people to compost. So, you know, most of my members, I'm educating them more about things like contaminants and stuff like that. But the greater scale of people, I'm educating on why composting is important. How do you get into composting? Um, so I spend a lot of my time doing that kind of talk, mostly for podcasts or articles. But for my members only, it's usually newsletters or Instagram where I'm teaching them. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I saw on your website you had uh, some detailed information about tea bags. I never knew there was that much to a tea bag uh, as far yeah. as whether it's fiber based or, you know, plastic fiber based. Um, yeah. Can you talk? Yeah, about we're trying to build out our blog session section a little bit more because we get asked the same kind of questions all the time. Um, which is great, but if I can just refer them to the blog post about it, it's right. much easier, you know, so 
tea bags was one of those things that I got asked about a lot. Um, so now I can just be like, check out the, this posting about it. Lots of information. It's short and sweet, easy peasy. You know. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you've answered like it's great what you're doing in LA. Um, Thank you, you definitely have that knowledge, even though you're, you know, fake it till you make it. You're that's it. <laughs> you're definitely doing it. So <laughs> I that's why I I I mean, and, and to your listeners, I didn't know about half the stuff I'm talking about until I started a company. I didn't know about this before the company. I knew about it through the company. And yeah. so um, I started the company not because I had the knowledge nor skill set, but because I had a desire to see more composting. And then the knowledge and skill set came from there. But really, it takes like the this first couple of steps, which I'm sure you can agree to. It takes desire and and um, like a little bit of fearlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that's it. That's the recipe. Is like desire and fearlessness like yeah because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing half the time and so you have to just be confident with that I think you're very right and hopefully this podcast can also answer a lot of new community composters questions and yeah. get them on the right track I I think I I think people like yourself are are doing it like the right way you're doing it for the right reasons and you're super passionate about it. You're kind of plugged in into the state and local regulation. You you mm-hmm. know like the dynamics of waste hauling and yeah, I mean all of that. I couldn't imagine you being anything but successful. So. Oh, I hope. <laughs> I mean, I've I've literally put everything I have into this company. I mean, there is times where my employees phone died so she just came and took my phone for her roots and her car was in the shop so she came and took my car I mean there's times where I've literally given like every part of me you know like I wasn't taking a salary or my employee had my car I was working weekends and I'm not saying that that's healthy nor what everybody should do but I hope it's successful because I really put my heart into this company (laughs) yeah all right well thank you and I hope the same for you too oh yeah Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've done a lot of those things as well. Just of course. And uh yeah, not paying myself a lot per month, but it's all right. Yeah, you'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. All right, much. thank you so much. Take care, Monique. All right, bye. O-Town Compost is Orlando's community composter that offers full-service food waste pickups for residents and commercial businesses. Also, we do zero-waste events and sell soil amendment products and compostable serviceware on our website. We're super stoked to have a special for all our great listeners. To get your first month free of our convenient odor and pest-free residential service, just use the promo code WESTORANGE, one word, WESTORANGE, and enter it when you subscribe. Thank you for listening.